Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the Uncounseling Show with Dr. Fred Bowley. Every Thursday, the good doctor and his guests take a skeptical, Catholic look at conventional counseling and why it often just doesn't work. If you want to join in the fun, drop us a note in the chat room or call in at 515-602-9655. That number, once again, is 515-602-9655. And now, Catholic therapist, spiritual advisor and legend in his own mind, Dr. Fred Bowley. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for that warm introduction, which I did not write. That's false. Why does counseling work? Many people feel they've been helped. In fact, I make my living off the counseling. But in some very important ways, experience of counseling, good, bad, or indifferent, we'd like to hear what you have to say. That number, again, is 515-602-9655. And welcome to the Uncounseling Show with me, Dr. Fred Bowley, and Brian, the bearded Brian. How are you, Brian? Just in awe of being with the legend, sir. <laughs> and what is the shirt that you're wearing? Uh, Led Zeppelin. Classic. Yeah. Just means I'm old. Yeah. Or, excuse me, we're old. Back when there was good music. Yeah. And we also have Deb. I'm going to put Deb on here. How are you, Deb? Speak to me, Deb. Well, anytime now, we will have <laughs> the famous Deb Rojas from uh, the Tangled Mess. There she is. We're not hearing you, Deb. Try talking again. Oh, she's still trying to sign on or something anyway. Anyway, when you get it worked out, Deb, keep working on it because we will uh, definitely need someone that we can um, give a hard time to. Right, Brian? Yes. So uh, today, why counseling doesn't work. Um, It doesn't work a lot of times. And to the extent that it does not work, it's in large part because we don't even know what it would look like to work, right? We said that last week, or I said that last week, but I'm going to say it again. If counseling does not work, it might well be because we as a profession don't know what it would be or what it would look like for it to work. Counseling is not designed to cure diseases, right? strangely enough, because you get that impression. And we in the, in the field get that impression, too. People don't um, have a particularly nice day and decide, you know what would be good? You know what would make this really perfect? <laughs> Let's go have some counseling. Let's get some therapy dig down into them issues. So the reason people come to counseling is because they have problems and it's very easy for us counselors and the people who come to see us to think of counseling as fixing problems or um, solving uh, uh, mental health issues or, or, cu- or even curing disease, right? Curing mental health issues. But that is not the purpose of counseling. Counseling was designed from the very beginning to um, help people flourish, right? To help them be the best version of themselves. And that includes preventative stuff, not just fixing problems. So here's the main problem. To know if something living is flourishing, right? Whether it's a plant, an animal, or a human being, you have to have a clear idea of what that thing actually is, right? 
So if you have a dog, for example, if a dog takes in nutrients, grows, and produces seeds, you can't say (laughs) that that is a, a flourishing dog, right? That's not necessarily a good example of a dog. Maybe I haven't given a complete list of the things the dog does, but if that's all it does, that is not a good example of a dog. Well, why would a dog produce seeds? <laughs> well, if you think of seeds as being uh, gametes, you know, like eggs for the female dog and sperm for the, the male dog. Okay. Right? Yes, sir. So if a dog just lies there all day and it takes in food. That's not flourishing. That's not a dog, right? <laughs> so if you have an animal... It's a really good example of an animal, in other words, a happy animal. It has to do all that a plant does, take in nutrients, put out waste, grow, and reproduce, by producing seeds, so to speak. It also has to do something else, right? That's not enough to be a good example of an animal. Give love, receive love. Wow, that's really, that's cool. Yeah, for a dog, that's really true as well, right? Dogs love love. What else does a dog have to do to be a good example of a dog, would you say? Run, play, yeah. clear up the house. So uh, you said something really <laughs> you said something really important there. It has to run and play. <laughs> we tried to get Deb on here. She's dropped again. Sorry, Deb. If you can hear my voice, I apologize. Don't be too angry with thy servant forever. Um, uh, but an animal has to move, right? That's yes. kind of the definition of an animal is that it's able to uh, see something good and move towards it or see something bad and move away from it. And uh, different animals move in different ways. So it would not make a good example of a dog if it can slither on its belly. <laughs> yes. Right? A good dog doesn't slither or uh, even um, what else? I don't know. Think of any examples? Scamper up trees. No, that's a cat. Collect nuts and bury them. Yeah, yeah. it's not a beaver. No. Yeah. I usually call that a squirrel, but you can call it a beaver. It's probably a different oh, lingo yeah. down here in Missouri. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but the point is, <laughs> if you know what a thing is, you know what it needs to do in order to be a good example of the thing, right? So what about human beings? What do human beings do that no other animal does? What is it that marks up a human being? They like to uh, socialize, mm-hmm. hang out with friends. I mean, so when you say socialize, dogs hang out with friends. Uh, well, dogs definitely love to socialize right? with their owners who they consider friends. Other dogs. And uh, I'm looking here, Brian. It looks like we have a caller. Let's see if this might be Deb. I'm just going to try it. I can't hear him. I can't hear Hello. Him. Is that you? Hi. I can hear you now. Good. Sorry about that, Deb. This is the That's infamous okay. Deb Rojas. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Excellent. Bet can I hear so, Brian? Can you hear me, Deb? I can hear you, Brian. Thank you. Poor Deb. It's good to be heard, Deb. <laughs> yes, indeed. Isn't it, though? <laughs> he was picking on me this entire time that you were away. I'm so glad you're I... back. <laughs> Why, so you can pick on me now? Well, I'm hoping that you can take some of the heat, yes. 
I wasn't really picking on them. I, I was just noticing the difference. That, uh, apparently in Missouri, um, it's beavers who collect nuts and bury them. Just saying. I mean, it's just different uh, from I didn't say anything about beavers collecting nuts or berries. But they, you know, they're woodland creatures. All right. Okay. So, whatever, if you know what a thing is, then you know what it should do to be a good example of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you, Deb? Well, it's helpful for now, an analogical purposes. So, tell me more about that. <laughs> analogical. <laughs> She's dropping big words. I know. <laughs> well, I'm talking to Fred, so. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I have to sound like I know what I'm talking about, at least for a little yeah. bit. But anyway, it is basic truth, right? Um, if you know what a plant is, you know that it needs to grow. If the plant never grows, then something's wrong. And, well, we use uh, analogies in time because it's a, shared, it's a shared knowledge base. Shared what? Sorry? A shared knowledge base. We know what a thing is. There is an understanding of there. There's a very clear understanding of what a thing is, typically. Right. So we got up to animals move towards good things and away from bad things, and that makes them, you know, to have a happy animal, you have to have more than what would make a happy plant. Mm -hmm. Right? Animals Mm -hmm. have to be able to move. And you can differentiate that too, right? So you can say that a happy dog is going to look different from a happy crocodile. Mm-hmm. Trying to do different stuff. I guess a crocodile is happy when it's killing. So yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so it brings up the ultimate question, which is, then what is it that is different about a human being? What do human beings do that no other animal does? What do we do in particular? And Brian was saying we socialize. And dogs socialize in a certain sense or other mammals or whatever, but not in the full sense that humans do, right? So right. What is it we do that takes our socialist, socialism, <laughs> socialization to another level? Well, we you know, we, we can get irritated with each other, which, you know, I don't know if dogs do or that, but, you know, it, it, I could get angry with somebody or, or – and cut them out of my life for years. Yeah, that's interesting. So, um, I mean, you might say that humans hold grudges and other animals don't necessarily hold grudges, right? But I also I think, think that... What, Deb? I think cats do. <laughs> <laughs> cats do. Cats are evil. So, uh, let's not talk politics, Brian. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, humans socializing humans talk right no other animal talks and there's some like some people will try to say oh other animals use uh, words or something but if other animal sounds, sounds um, but other animals don't use them in the same way we do we use them symbolically other animals use them as signals so uh, a signal to an animal is a sound that is associated with something that's either good or bad. If the cat hears the can opener, and the cat will be on it like that, right? Right. And a dog will hear a siren long before we ever do and start howling, right? 
So animals have signals, but they don't have symbols that are abstract. It's only human beings that can deal in the abstract. So if we deal in the abstract, then we can think about the rights and wrongs of whatever it was person X did and why Brian cut them out of his life for years upon years or whatever. I'm thin-skinned. Probably mostly. Right. Well, and it's only us, that, only humans that can think about being thin-skinned or try to get thicker-skinned or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. Dogs are just reactive. Something happens in the sensory world, and they automatically react without being able to consider the symbolic. But dogs can learn not to like a certain type of person. You know, like That's a true. male, yeah. you yeah. know, males beat a, a dog. It, it, it turns out to be afraid of men. Yes. Or, you know, but women. what is that based on? What's that? What is that based on? What, did you hear? She said, what's that, that based reaction. on? So why is the dog reacting that way? Learn behavior? Yeah, I think so. And it's a behavior. And so they, they smell something, right? They can smell the testosterone maybe or something. I don't know how they tell what a man is. But it's a sensory thing that triggers the same reaction. It's a response to an experience. Right. So it's not something that is abstract. So with a human being, um, like for a dog, there's nothing more interesting than another dog, right? It's an old uh, far side cartoon where the city is burning down, civilization is collapsing, and finally the dog sees something that's really interesting, which is another dog across the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, cool. But if I draw with my blue pen a little sketched out picture of a dog, you will know exactly what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about dogs, right? So you can consider the, the concept of a dog, but if I showed that to our dogs. So what you're saying is humans can communicate where dogs really can't. Not I mean, a, they, yeah. not in the, in the sense of as humans do. Exactly. You're perfectly correct because uh, dogs or other higher higher mammals like uh, dolphins or chimps or whatever can't communicate on an abstract level. They can send signals to each other like they can beat on their chest and that means watch out, right? (laughs) Or whatever, smells, sounds, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But they cannot talk about the concept of beating your chest, right? They never sit around and say... Why do you beat your chest all the time? Yeah. Or, you know, we should find something that would give that same message that doesn't actually hurt. Or, you know. <laughs> that sound irritates me. We need to work on that. All right. Um, when you uh, take the food, I feel <laughs> angry. <laughs> I don't know. No, uh, no chimpanzee or gorilla would ever say that because they just don't have that dimension. So. What does it mean to be a fully flourishing human being? Therefore, if we, what separates us, what really marks us out from other animals is the fact that we can understand abstract stuff. In other words, we can use a sentence that is um, uh, propositional. I can say, uh, dogs are mammals, right? Dogs are furry animals. And you can tell me whether that's true or false. I could say dogs are usually blue. And you can say whether that is true or false. But for uh, any other mammal that we've ever found, now theoretically, technically, maybe, we could find some animal that's hidden 
and it turns out that that animal can actually use language in that way and deal with abstracts the way we can. But so far, none of them can. So we have that ability to um, see truth, um, to separate out truth from falseness, incorrectness, or even lies. And we can uh, conceive of different possible futures, right? And if you can conceive of different ways that things might turn out, that gives you something that is um, somewhat important called choice, right? <laughs> Live choice is right. the scariest thing in the world. Well, we have options. We could sit here and we could talk, or we could go to Culver's and get an ice cream, dude. Nice. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, I prefer onion rings. So thanks for joining us this evening, folks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have choice, and therefore, if you have choice, then you also have responsibility. In other words, morality and ethics enters in. Right? So you have, as a human being, access to the world of goodness, truth, and, Deb? Beauty. Yes, beauty. And when I was over on another show, which is not quite as good as this one, (laughs) (laughs) Deb's show called Tangled Mess, which is a lot of fun, then uh, we were talking about um, uh, the transcendentals, goodness, truth, and beauty, right? So okay. these are things that apply to everything that is in the world that can be conceived. You know, a, a good tree is going to be different from a good human, but both of them take part in that thing called goodness. And if you go far enough out, goodness, truth, and beauty really turn out to be the same thing. But we were talking about maybe there's another transcendental or two. Do you remember what they were, Deb? I think you brought up one of them. You were saying home? Yeah. Father Spitzer says home home. is Mm -hmm. placeness or belonging or maybe Mm -hmm. even love. What were you saying? What was the other one? Unity. Unity. And we weren't 100% sure because we're not philosophers that maybe unity is something separate from home or maybe it's the same. Maybe when you thought it was the same, Deb. I didn't look it up. Maybe it's uh, the fact that all of them ultimately are the same thing. Yeah, go on, Brian. Brian's looking skeptical here. Well, I'm just saying, how do you come up with unity meaning home? I mean, uh, uh, there's a good question. How could unity be the same as home? Deb, what do you think? I mean, it gives you a sense of belonging to a group, you know. uh, Well, that's what what unity refers. To though unity has to do with that sense of connectedness. So you could say, if they, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. So you can't. Don't don't quote me on this. I'm actually looking at the. I'm going to quote you on that, Deb. No, no, no. <laughs> um, here we go. Let's see what the Catholic transcendentals are. Being something, unity, truth, and goodness. According to the University of Notre Dame, they might know a thing or two. <laughs> you look at that up on a, on a Catholic source, Deb. Just kidding. <laughs> Don't hate me, Notre Dameites, little uh, green, empty, <laughs> Irish dudes, whatever you are. Um, uh, I only say that because uh, our our co-sponsor this evening is a big hey, Notre Dame. Hey, fan. hey, 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 Bruce Vatican. <laughs> Breach etiquette. No cutting on Notre Dame on this show. <laughs> How do I cut someone, someone off here? Where's the, where's the button to cut I think off it's a little mic. Button. 
Yes, you need the mute button. Um, um, hmm. While we are uh, mulling this over, we actually have a commercial break, if you can believe it. Ooh. What in the world? Can you imagine how sophisticated we're getting? Man. Please pay attention to uh, our sponsor. Here's the commercial. Looking for a Catholic counselor? Dr. Peter Claponis, Deb Rojas, and the team at Integrity Counseling Services provide faithful Catholic counseling in Pennsylvania and beyond. We offer telehealth and in-person counseling for porn addiction, betrayal trauma, anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, and much more. You can find us at IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. That's IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. Looking for a Catholic counselor or coach? Dr. Fred Boley provides faithful Catholic counseling and coaching for men in Missouri and beyond. He conveniently offers telehealth services for anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, or just getting stuff done. You can find him at stbarn.org or 872-269-1280. Once again, the number is 872-269-1280. a Catholic recording artist, multi-award winning songwriter. She sings contemporary and folk rock music. She has been in the music industry for over five years. Her music is her ministry. She aims to help people that suffer from all kinds of pain in life and try to bring them to the Lord through her music. She has three albums out and her music is being played on radio stations all over the world. Her website is lisamarinacole.com and she is on social media. Her music page is facebook.com Lisa Songs of Worship. YouTube at Lisa M. Nicole. Instagram Lisa underscore Marie underscore Nicole underscore official. Her songs can be purchased on her website, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and everywhere else. Her merchandise store has everything for her ministry and can be accessed through her website. Her new CDs will be available very soon and can be purchased through her website. She counts herself blessed that God has chosen her to help spread his message. She is Lisa Marie Nicole. Get her music today. The Four Persons Network asks our Catholic friends to check out and join the fast-growing Catholic website, message board, and community at Catholicism Rock. The quality and diversity of contributors is breathtaking and the content spans everything from education to news and commentary and spiritual insight. Partners of the Four Persons and our friends. Please check them out at catholicismrocks.com. Now return to the regular program on your only real Catholic defenders of the deeper truth of our sacred faith, the Four Persons. Welcome back. Hey, Deb, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, my God. Can you hear me? Yes. 
Brian seems to think that's coming through clearer. It's coming through clearer? Like louder. Yeah, I think it's a little better. Anyway. Welcome to Block Talk Radio. Please hold the radio. We're hearing, a, um, uh, we're hearing something else here. Let me see what's going on. Uh, oh, look. I think Deb's coming through in a conventional way. Deb, let me try to... Oh, you're gone again. No, wait. I'm going to try to click your microphone. Is it All working? Right. It's working. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I'm so, going to need a hearing aid. <laughs> I hear a trumpet. So we were talking about uh, the goal of counseling is to help people flourish, but we don't know what flourishing is. As a profession, I would think that there is probably a different opinion uh, for each Different counselor. Each individual has their own definition of what flourishing is, right? Each individual might have their own definition, but that doesn't mean that each individual definition is equally uh, valid. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, I agree. So I think that if you try to work really from the basic facts that everybody can know, such as what is it that humans do that other animals don't do, then we can arrive at a really basic but clear idea of what a happy human needs to have as a basic, right? What does each individual human need to have? Debony? Debster? Deborino? <laughs> you want the food, water, clothing? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to be happy if you don't have food, water, and clothing. But maybe it's not impossible. I don't know. Well, Adam and Eve didn't have clothing, and they were happy. Uh, well, they I'm food. more happy that I'm clothed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clothing is not really essential for happiness, but other people's clothing is essential for happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Um, you know, I would say love. Love is essential to flourishing. Right. So love is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. To be loved or to love? What do you mean? Both. To be both the... So this is something that we were talking about on the slightly better show than yours. Um, <laughs> wow. It's Wednesdays at 6. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A mid-show commercial. Tuesdays at 7. <laughs> um, no, we were talking about this in the context of we are created to be both lover and beloved because we image God who is both lover and beloved. Fantastic. So uh, we were talking about transcendentals, right? And humans are uniquely able to uh, apprehend the transcendentals, right? We can love beauty, um, know truth, and Mm -hmm. how do you appreciate goodness? I can't remember. You do it. (laughs) Do the good or something. Be the good, be the good in the world. Yeah. But now being a being is a is a transcendental. Isn't they are the transcendentals of being. So in a certain sense, uh, humans are um, contingent, right? We haven't always existed, and we all know, at some level, that we mm-hmm. won't always exist. It's very easy for us to go out of existence in a certain way. But that's not. I mean. To be really happy, we need to be at the point where we don't go out of existence. 
So how can you possibly get to the point where you don't go out of existence? Are you talking physical existence or eternal existence? Well, either, because what does it mean to go out of physical existence? That's really just saying that your soul is separated from your body, right? Mm -hmm. Which is unnatural and like inherently unlikable because that's not how we are designed, right? As a human being, we have to be body and soul together or mm-hmm. we're not a fully flourishing human being. Mm-hmm. Right. At that point, we're not a human being anymore. Right. We're, we're a human soul, but not a we're human a being. We're a deceased body. So what can we do so that we are, um, you know, permanent? So we don't. I would say look into the spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, find your uh, your spirit guide, as in, you know, the love of God, mm-hmm. you know, the love of uh, God's people, uh, you know, um, and uh, socializing with God's people, which is very important because um, I think God even tells you to do that. Yeah, and the why. I mean, what is the ultimate point of that? How does that help us to to be around people who are like-minded or um, holy even? Um, what else was the other thing you mentioned, Brian? What was the first thing you said? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to seek after God with all your heart. <laughs> What does that do for a human being? Gives me happiness. Um, so in the moment, it makes you feel good, right? Yeah. But you can easily imagine that there are times in the spiritual life when you do not feel good. Absolutely. You feel sad yeah. or, or lonely. It gives you spirit. strength. It gives you something to hold on to Yeah. during those times. And ultimately, what does it do for you? What are we holding on for? Eternal life? Yeah, eternal life. So um, one of the things that I think is really frequently mistaken amongst Christians and Catholics is that eternal life is uh, uh, living as like kind of a a spirit in the presence of God somewhere in cloudy something, right? I feel like I'm on jeopardy. (laughs) I should should form every answer in the form of a question. Well, that's what I do. What is happiness, Fred? (laughs) <laughs> Deb, well, you have to define most... happiness and then say right, and then you have two answers. Yes, or no. I'll take happiness for six hundred, Fred. He's testing me over here. See, this is what I'm saying. He's picking on me. He's he's going. And what do you think, Brian? You know. So, so that what you have to do, Brian? Here's the trick. Answer the question you wish he had asked. Right. <laughs> Right. What makes you happy, Brian? Yeah, I noticed uh, that's what Deb does all the time. You know, that's genius. So what is counseling, Deb? Well, I, uh, yeah, I'm available from Monday to Friday. <laughs> In Pennsylvania. <laughs> so all you Pennsylvanians out there that are nuts, come on over. Deb never has said that once. Now, that was unfair. Now, um, uh, yes, well, we spend eternity as spirits in the presence of God. Absolutely. Deb, do we spend eternity as angels? 
Or are we reunited with our physical bodies? Oh. With our current physical bodies? I hope not. I don't know. That's I'm kind of hoping for six-pack abs in the afterlife. You're supposed to have perfect bodies. What, Deb? <laughs> he doesn't have that now? <laughs> it's more like no. <laughs> more like a no. refrigerator. Than so, I'm glad to get my teeth yeah. and hair back. And yes, Steph, go ahead. We, we know that we are going to be given a new body, one that does oh. not experience pain, suffering, um, tears, sadness. Sadness. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is a, a restoration, like a new heaven and a new earth in which we will live. Um, but can I go so back? We're not going to be angelic, though, right? No, no you, you, don't, you don't have to worry about that, Brian. Huh? I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to ask some questions for Fred. Yeah. <laughs> I said you don't have to worry about that, Brian, about yes, being oh, angelic. Oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> Underneath the hat is horns. Yes, I get it. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, <laughs> Fred laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Um, you know, going back to God being eternal um, and, you know, why, what is it about focusing on the spiritual and loving God that, that gives us so much value in this life now is that it gives us something to move toward. Because if we are just here and this life is all that it is and we live our I don't know, 47 to 98 years, you know, um, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's it. Then we don't have, we don't really have much to aim for. It's just like everything that that's here is what matters. If we live, if we, you know, if we, if we live successfully, great. If not, we failed and that's all there is. There's not really, it's, there's not really a whole lot of hope. Mm-hmm. But if we are thinking about our relationship with God and being brought into community with him eternally, yeah. then this life and its temporary nature is rather, it's rather less significant it has a point. I mean, if you don't have that, it's almost like why get out of bed? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is just the most depressing. Not to give anybody that's listening a reason to be depressed, but I mean, that's just a depressing thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you need more than just uh, I don't know your life here. You know, there's you got to seek something more. You know, for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, for everyone, I think you hit the nail well, on the head. Right. We, we all have that longing for more. And that's what also differentiates, differentiates us from the animals. You know, we were talking about earlier, Fred. They're content with what they have. But do, that, do, do you think animals know that, uh, you know, their, their, their time here is uh, limited? You know, I mean, I'm sure they know what death is, but I mean, you know, I don't think they think like that. That's no, a good that's observation. Right. Yeah. We're the only creatures that do, you know. That's right. another yes. difference. 
because uh, animals can feel fear, but mm-hmm. they don't know that their life is going to end. Right. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say about that? You were saying something before. Oh, yeah. So in a certain sense, coming back to our uh, the, the topic of uh, what the show is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Did I have something to do with that? Yeah, Brian, it's your fault. Okay. Just kidding. Um, uh, why, then, is counseling um, – why doesn't counseling work? It's because which counselor will ever want to depress their client by saying, really, you know, if you start looking at it, without that eternal life, your life is basically meaningless. <laughs> and yet, you know, that might be good for someone to depress them before you undepress them. What do you think, Deb? Well, I think, you know, you can you can start at a different place and just talk about, you know, what gives meaning and purpose to life, asking those questions. Mm -hmm. So challenge your client to think about Mm -hmm. the big questions. Um, uh, But that's kind of like it was a sort of a hesitant answer, Deb. I'm kind of surprised. So why would you just like, uh, you know, kind of tiptoe around that? What are you you worried about? It's not a worry. But there's a, a recognition that if, you know, as a counselor, there's a there's definitely a power differential. Yeah. Like I might I might know the answers to things that clients don't, but if I help them discover those answers and they realize them for themselves, it's going to have a lot more power in their life than if I come to them and say this is the answer. Right. Right. We seem to be talking about two different things there. Okay. One is the uh, most effective way to get a client to deal with uh, issues of ultimate concern. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the power differential. Why is the power differential relevant? What are you talking about? What am I talking about? So Good if I question. have more power than the client in this conversation, mm-hmm. uh, how is that? How does that apply? Or what, what implication does that have? Is a better way to say it. Hmm. A good question. Um, I, think, I think it's a good point, but I don't think everybody would understand it. Right, right. So, so how to, how they No, it. I don't understand it because I never thought of myself when I was a client, you know, getting therapy that uh, I had less power than the person I was in a room with. Well, it has more to do with, it's not physical power. I, I understand that because I it's, can beat up anybody. To, <laughs> um, but I meant, I meant as a status power or uh, yeah, and it's power even, of authority or whatever. It's not. It's it's the helper and the one who is being helped, okay. and that and the helper the helper being the one who has the the tools and the pedigree, and the one who is being helped having a certain vulnerability, which is bringing them to a place where they are calling for help. And and so even and it's a, it's also a professional relationship. It's not a you know there's a personal element to it, but it, there's also a particular context. It's not it's not simply friendship. It's not two people meeting each other as equals. And and so it, in that sense, there is a power dynamic that is present that could be abused. 
So if you um, think about a, a counseling session, does the counselor tell the counselee, the client, his deepest or her deepest, darkest secrets, right? The most shameful moment of his or her, of the counselor's life. Counselors share that with a client? Not usually, right? A lot of times clients don't know a whole lot about the, the counselor. Mm-hmm. So who's more vulnerable? Obviously, mm-hmm. the client is more vulnerable than the counselor. Well, I don't know about that. If, you gotta, if you're giving counseling mm-hmm. and you can't, well, here, let me show you what I've, I've learned in my experience. Well, you, uh, you're saying that you can't do that. Well, no, you can. But you've you got to do it generically. Yeah, and you don't spend the, don't spend the whole hour telling the client all this stuff about your inner feelings or your vulnerabilities or your hopes or your hurts. Right? You're or if to you the- do, like what you do share, you share for the purpose of helping the client. Everything right. that is shared has a therapeutic intent. So, like, I might share a time that was a, a troubling time, but it, it's to help the client, like, help validate the client in their particular experience. Or the trade-off? The trade-off? Yeah. What does the counselor get out of it? <coughs> Money. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the most well, important thing. Well, I mean, because thing. you're paid, certainly. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a, yeah, that's a, there's a mercenary aspect to it. So I'm going to shut up and not talk about my problems or my worries right. of this day. I'm going to listen to all your worries and all your problems and do everything I can to help you. I'm going to share exactly. my story only to help you. That's because, the point of the relationship. Yeah. That's the purpose of the of the the connection. But you want to help people too, right? Sure. Yeah. That is the purpose of the connection. Yeah. Yes, to help people. So, and, and the point of that is to, for for Deb to say, therefore, you have to be careful since you have so much power with a client, knowing all their secrets and being privy to all their hopes and fears and uh, hurts and, and joys, that you don't push them unfairly into your way of looking at the world. So, am I right about that, Deb? Yeah, absolutely. But because clients will sometimes, they want to appear better than they are for a counselor at times. Um, clients will, you know, so there's like, it just, it depends on, on how, like where the client is coming from in their own journey. Um, yeah. But there's, you know, I, and there's definitely, there's definitely like a, a real affection in mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that develops in the process of the, of the, the therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I think it is helpful for um, for clients to know that counselors are human, also. Sure. Yeah. You know. So. Um, so. <laughs> say again. Theoretically. Theoretically. Theoretically yeah. human. We're not counseling robots. Counselors are people too. Um, that you know, in that, if we're talking about death and a client's really struggling with the death of a loved one. You know, I might share something about a friend of mine who had a family member pass or, you know, a, a personal a personal experience, um, something that, that relates. Yes. Um, and I, I do find that that has, that has therapeutic value, especially as it helps to, to help fuel the therapeutic connection. Mm-hmm. You might. 
that is really ultimately what is necessary for healing. Because you can have right. all the tricks in the bag in the world, and if you can't connect well with someone, then the, it's futile. So, uh, Deb, think about this. We have a question from a caller um, named Jackie. Uh, Jackie uh, lost her husband. So they were married for 41 years. Mm. It's very difficult. But how do you go from being Mm. a we to a me? How do you deal Mm. with that grief? Mm. Uh, Jackie, I'm very sorry for your loss. Amen. Very sorry. May he rest in peace. And I, I hope you are receiving a lot of consolation in your in your sadness and suffering. Um, it's very hard to go from, especially after talking about the lifespan. That's almost a, a whole adult lifespan, 41 years. You know, um, so talk about the degree of change. Uh, there's just a tremendous amount of change, and and really in this case, even if death is expected, it's still shocking because, as you said before, Fred, it's not really natural. That separation of of the body and soul. Yeah. So it's always. I would, I would say that uh, to feel shocked or to feel lost or or depressed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a pretty normal reaction to that. Absolutely. Angry. Angry, yeah. Um, you know, sad, despairing, confused. You know, why? Why now? Um, absolutely. Sometimes uh, other people who are in your life also uh, get impatient. You know, if you're going through a grieving process, mm-hmm. not everybody understands. And they try to do their best. I mean, mm-hmm. people who are well-meaning, and they will tell you to cheer up when mm-hmm. you're not ready to cheer up. Okay, I can give an example, yeah. and I hope I'm not overstepping. My uh, stepdad lost his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for me, that would be just absolutely devastating, you know. But my dad, uh, he... He goes to his day-to-day. I mean, he has his moments. There's mm-hmm. anniversaries for everything, mm-hmm. you know, to where mm-hmm. he's sad. Sometimes he breaks down and cries. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing wrong with breaking down and crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's natural. But then he goes on and and continues with his day, his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom... Uh, has a tendency to kind of uh I don't not be patient with my with my stepdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though my mom helped raise uh mm-hmm. uh my stepsister uh and I I I I talked to her about it and I said, "Listen, I said, you know, I would be a mess. The mm-hmm. fact that dad can go through his day to day and once to do things, wants to socialize with people. He still laughs. Yeah. But, you know, I think you got to give him his moments of crying. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's okay. You know, the, life is a struggle. 
and you've got to, uh, and death is part of it. Life, you know, life can be, well, life is brutal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially when you think of loss, you want to have a, a timeout. Mm-hmm. You know, life doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, the fact no, that my sometimes, dad. Sometimes grief demands a timeout, though. Absolutely. And, you know? and, and taking a grief timeout, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to cry. You know, but don't ever give up. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the struggle, uh, you've got to struggle, you know, and, and look you for just, that happening. You just painted a good picture, Brian, of how two people deal with a similar loss very differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a really um, important thing for our caller to, to know is that, you know, how she journeys through the grief process, it doesn't have a timeline. And there is no there's no clear way through. It's really one day at a time, and each day is going to feel different. That's right. And there, there's no predictability to it. I like to use the example of waves with grief, mm-hmm. of waves, right? I don't know if you heard that. Um, because when um, when the loss first happens, when grief comes along, it's like a tidal wave. And it basically takes out trees and villages and beaches sure. and just it just knocks you completely off your feet and feels like it's destroying your entire life. And then, you know, after time, grief comes along and it's more like a wave at your waist level and it pulls at you and you fall down, but you get back up again fairly quickly. Right. You know, there's, and, no, there's uh, no, there's no, there's no expiration date on right. the love that you have for the person mm-hmm. that you've lost, the mm-hmm. grief that you feel at their loss. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's no expiration date. Right. You know. And that's beautiful because grief is the price we pay for loving. Right. Grief is the price we pay for loving. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think just practically, um, you're never going to replace the person that you love. There is no mm-hmm. replacing anybody, but especially someone who you're really close to and you've loved for many years. However, you really need other people. And so the other the other side of uh, being patient with yourself is not losing contact with other people, not mm-hmm. staying inside or isolating. Mm-hmm. Try to find uh, a grief group or other people who have been through loss who might be more likely to understand what you're going through. But really, all the people that you love, you know, whether it be children, grandchildren, um, mm-hmm. brothers, sisters, whatever, Mm-hmm. Um, do spend some of your time uh, with other people, even though you might not feel like it, you not, might not enjoy it the mm-hmm. way you ordinarily would. Mm-hmm. It's still really good that you need to be in in contact and uh, with the people that you know, like, and love. Basic self-care, too. You know, like eat a healthy meal every day, shower or bathe, take a walk outside, mm-hmm. um, you know, water your plants. Do those things that are, um, you know, like have your have your tea every evening. Like do those things that are part of regular regular life and self care. Um, because the the other real factor too is the ones who we lose want the ones who remain to continue to live well mm-hmm. and not get lost in grief. Right. You know, 
And so it's um I find it helpful for clients sometimes to to like think about like what would mom say to you if she was sitting or if she were sitting here with you today? Mm-hmm. Because they know exactly what mom would say. Absolutely. You know, she would say, "Sweetie, I want you to be happy." I think mine would tell me to suck it up and get on with life. <laughs> well, then maybe that's what you should do, right? <laughs> she still loves me, but, you know, she'd tell me definitely to suck it up. So if you are going through grief or um, you know someone who's going through grief, there are a lot of good resources. Mm-hmm. So you can write to us for some of those resources at St. Barn, S-T-B-A-R-N, at protonmail.com. That's P-R-O-T-O-N, protonmail.com. Or you can call Deb on, what's your number, Deb? 610-601-9781. Or you can go to the St. Barn web, website, stbarn.org, stbarn.org, or you can email us with any more questions that you have. But if you think about people who are going through grief, again, um, while respecting the power differential, Deb, um, mm-hmm. how can you tell people that really your job is only to help them get over the so-called symptoms of having lost someone from their life like that? It's not enough. Mm-mm. No, it's not. Not at all. No, they need to know that they are loved and cared for. And they need to have a picture of what really flourishing as a human is, right? It's not simply a lack of the so-called symptoms of grief, right? Because really, going through sadness is a part of this life. And if you didn't feel sadness when you lost someone, man, that's the yeah. worst. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be good. Mm-mm, that wouldn't be good. That's also telling, good. though. Mm-hmm. It is, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Great. So we, well, there, that there, <laughs> well, the 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 problem of uh, what happened through your childhood with who, whatever person that was, you know. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm with not you. to jump in that rabbit hole. But, mm-hmm. but no, yeah, good point. Deb, mm-hmm. sorry, I uh, interrupted you. Um, we were talking about yeah. Like when a person comes, we're not grieving. We're not just trying to help them get rid of the symptoms. It's not like a cold where you give people cold medicine and you know their you know their cough goes away and and they're they don't have post nasal drip anymore. Um, no, we there's a recognition that there's something called a flourishing life. Mm-hmm. And and grief, a permanent state of grief, getting stuck in that. Yeah. does not lend itself to a flourishing life. Right. You know, so the challenge is to have health, a, health, a healthy grieving process, mm-hmm. but not get stuck in depression and despair. Right. And not get stuck in anger and unforgiveness. Right. You know, um, not get stuck in all of those, you know, because it, if, if a person is lost and the relationship was terrible, mm-hmm. the grief exponentially worse. Yes. It's complicated. It's very, very complicated. All right. One last word from Brian. What were you going to say? Uh, I was just saying, you know, sometimes the, the grieving process might not 
ever end, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it is a process to where it will get better, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It does get better. Right. So thank you for being with us tonight. That is all we have to talk about. Well, there's probably more, but we don't have time. And um, (laughs) this is a co-production of St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries and the Four Persons blog. Um, the Four Persons podcast appears every evening at the same time, seven. Great stuff throughout the, the week and even on Saturday. So uh, make sure that you tune in for our other great shows, including, what's the name of your show, Deb? The Tangled Mess. Matt Webb. Tuesdays at I'll keep wanting to call it the Tangled Web. It's the Tangled Mess. The Tangled Web We Weave. Thank you, Shakespeare. You've totally gotten that phrase stuck in our mind forever. That's <laughs> you, <laughs> Brute. So uh, we have uh, great shows tomorrow. For example, let me just tell you what we have coming up. Luke Haskell, some great apologetics. Why the Catholic faith is true. Did you know that you can see that the Catholic faith is true? It can be demonstrated. We'll have some of that tomorrow with Luke Haskell. 29th, we have a double header. We have Lisa Marie Nicole. Tempted to say Presley, but it's Lisa yeah, Marie Nicole. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going. And then Catholicism rocks. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and so forth and so on. So we're here every week at the same time on Thursday at 7 Eastern, 6 Central. And Deb is every week Tuesday uh, at 7 o'clock in the Tangle Mess at 6 Central. So make sure to tune in on Tuesday to hear more of what Deb has to say, and I will try to give her a hard time as usual. If you want to get a hold of us, you can go to stbarn.org, S-T-B-A-R-N.org, or email us at stbarn at protonmail.com, or you can call Deb. Deb, what is your number? Again, one more time. Well, they could always email you and ask for my number. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair I'm enough. tired of telling you, Fred. <laughs> if you want to get hold of Brian, you can kiss. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you can get a hold of Fred. He'll let me know. As usual, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Deb, and thank you, Brian, for being here. And we will see you or talk to you as well uh, next week at the same time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Deb. Thanks for the invite. Good night. John. Thanks to to the four persons. Bye-bye.